What's going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reach my podcast, Barbecue to Movies, where I talk about anything I want to. Yeah, that's barbecue to movies, to movies, to barbecue. I don't care. Oh, yeah, to weddings, too, and screenwriting and politics. <laughs> Today is May 6, 2021. It's currently 3.04 a.m. in the morning. I'm burning the midnight oil as usual. Yep, guess what I'm doing? Fixing up photos. Got a wedding here. One of my favorite couples of all time. Uh, they're Trump supporters. I'm not going to out them because they'll probably get canceled if I do. All right, I'm going to turn this down right now. Yeah, I'm fixing up their photos right now. I'm trying to get it done by this weekend. Uh, I got a wedding video that I have to like put these photos into and all that good stuff. Um, and then later on this morning, I think I have to wake up maybe in about five hours or maybe six hours. Uh, I'm gonna have to, I have to pick up some Kiawe wood. We found a, a really good, uh, Kiawe wood supplier, not an official Kiawe wood supplier. Uh, there's a gentleman over there in Waianae who cut down 40 Kiawe trees and he, he just basically said, Hey, take what you want. So we're going to try to, I'm going to take my new chainsaw I got, my Makita chainsaw, which cuts like a dream, by the way. I'm going to take it down there to the West Coast. And uh, I have four batteries with me. Yep, it's a battery-powered chainsaw. And I'm going to cut me some wood. I'm going to cut me some Kiave wood because Kiave is a great wood to cook barbecue with. I think it's the greatest wood, to be honest. I've cooked with hickory. I've cooked with... Um, I've cooked with guava, lychee, and I've cooked with uh, applewood and uh, mesquite, regular mesquite, and also this, um, kiave, which is a version of mesquite. And I tell you what, uh, regular mesquite, I would not, re- I would not recommend barbecuing it with. Even if you cook it clean, uh, it doesn't come out very clean tasting. Uh, when I say clean, that means no white smoke, clear smoke. You can cook it real clean, and it'll still come out tasting a little bit like gasoline. I'm not sure why. Um, mesquite, I think flavor tastes good with Lay's barbecue chips because it's fake mesquite flavor. I think mesquite flavor with the liquid smoke tastes pretty darn good. Um, but uh, it doesn't taste that good when you put it in offset. Now, what tastes really good is this Kiave because it's very strong. Um, it, it burns really nice. It burns really hot. It burns much more even than regular mesquite. Uh, so it's much more predictable. Uh, but more so, uh, it actually, when it, you, you do it correctly, it adds a little sweetness uh, along with a little sharpness uh, to the flavor of your meat. So it, you get this sweet, sharp flavor. And it's just great. So when you, you smoke a salmon, it comes out sweet, sharp, and salty. Uh, you smoke pork, um, sweet, sharp, and salty. So, you know, it's really great. You don't even have to put the sugar on top of your um, a lot of your meats. Like when I cook kiave, has that little sweetness, a little sharpness, a little smoky. So it's great. Really, really good. Um, and uh, so we'll see. So I am actually going to be also um, buying some uh, two pork butts. I think I told you about that yesterday. They will be pork shoulders, uh, not picnic pork butts, uh, pork shoulders this time. They're cheapest. The reason why, I'm just going with price. Uh, they're the cheapest over at Costco. And that's my butcher of choice, actually. Uh, kind of more like um, butcher by default because it is the cheapest. And if I go to another butcher, you know, the, the butchers here in Hawaii... There are these hipster butchers right now. They're, they're, they're hipsters. I don't think they understand meat as well as they think they do. And, uh, they charge like an arm and a leg. I mean, for short ribs, they want to charge me like $20, uh, $20 a pound when I can get the same short rib 
prime cut for about $9.99 a pound, sometimes even $7.99 a pound. So I'm not going to, you know, pay $20 a pound if I don't need to. And especially when they showed me the short rib that they wanted to give me, there was hardly any meat on top of this, these ribs. I mean, I almost doubted that there were short ribs. So why would I ever pay for that? And they're telling me, oh, this is great for smoking. They don't know how much experience I have in smoking. And here they are lying to me just to make a sale. And these are, you know, they look like hipster, you know, millennial hipster uh, butchers. They have tattoos all of them all, all around big. Their earlobes are like stretched out into these huge holes. Uh, and they're not earrings. I think you know what I mean. And, uh, you know, they're, and I just don't want to you know, stereotype them, but they don't look like a regular butcher. You know, I've been around Texas. I've been around all the South and you, you go in there and you look at these butchers, it, it, they, just, they just seem like they know, just from the look, they know their way around meat. And the way they talk about meat uh, is a lot more honest than these butchers we have in Hawaii. So anyway, I got off on a tangent here. You know, today, I want to talk about one thing here. Uh, it's Black Lives Matter. And hold on a second. It's Black Lives Matter and their list of seven demands. Uh, this is really interesting. So I want to get into this because... You know, you know, my main criticism with Black Lives Matter is that they don't really care about black lives. They don't really care about the black community. They may want to, to you know, kind of paint the facade to tell you that, hey, you know what? We believe that black lives matter, but I think they're just a political organization. And I have the proof of that right now. So I'm going to cut the commercial. Um, when I get back, we're going to talk about this. And I'm going to prove to you from their seven demands, right? This is all from their website. There are seven demands that these, this group <laughs> doesn't care about black lives at all. All right. They just want to stir the pot. All right. So here's the commercial. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So, if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. Okay, I hope you're back from that commercial break and I didn't lose you there. I think it was kind of a hard cut, wasn't it? But you know, I'm not going to go back and redo that first segment. I'm a little bit lazy today because uh, I need to go to bed pretty soon. <laughs> okay, so I got this, I think it's a ukulele. Oh, kind of fitting, given that I live in Hawaii, right? Is that the ukulele? It doesn't sound like a ukulele, I'm, I'm sorry. I think there's some ukulele in there. All right, okay, I'm getting off a tangent. Again, that's what I do. I think I have ADD. Okay, so we're supposed to talk about Black Lives Matter, right, and how serious they are. And I'm playing this non-serious music because we should not take them serious at all. These guys are a freaking joke. Okay, I'm gonna turn this down. Okay, I, I can't be serious with that music on. I'm sorry about that, but Black Lives Matter um, you know, I would support their organization. I would even give money to their organization if they actually cared about black lives. You know, when I take a look at, you know, 
black lives, I don't automatically believe that just because a person's skin is black that they're at a disadvantage in America or the world. I just look at them as a regular person. And I think that's the way the majority of Americans look at people. I think they look at people and say, hey, I don't care what color your skin is. You are at the same advantage I am, right? So if we're both going to enter in uh, in a job opportunity, you know, may the best man or woman win, right? And um, I think really that's what it should be. And I think for the most part, that's what happens. Um, but right now in this political climate where it seems as though the Democrats never want to address the issue at hand, they tend to always want to play the race card. Now, there's a, a lot of problems with our nation, but racism is not one of those problems. And one thing that Democrats and Black Lives Matter are doing is that they're pushing us back to this narrative. They're pushing us back into the, you know, the, the mid-1900s where, you know, there was an issue of segregation. There was an issue of racism. And there were definitely a lot of people who were racist. I've met them before. But those people have long gone and passed. You know, they're dead. They're actually dead. I remember my neighbor, their grandfather, uh, because he fought in World War II, uh, he, he just had it out for Asians. You know, he just really, really didn't like Asians. He was racist. Uh, he even met me. And then he said, hey, you know, I don't really like you because you're Asian. And, and that's fine. And that's really fine. You know, even how nice, you know, I tried to be to him or, or anything that, you know, he saw Japanese, you know, kill all of his friends. And then he grouped every, everyone around, right? Like Chinese, Filipinos, everyone, uh, all into one. When the truth is, is that the Japanese were killing Chinese, Koreans, and the Filipinos, and they were just ruthless. So unfortunately, he was ignorant. But again, he was older. Right, he's seventy years old at that time. I think he's passed on since now. That was way back when I was younger, in the nineteen nineties. And uh, you know, once you're at a certain age and you're ignorant, there's nothing you can do. So, but again, we can't go back and live in that past. I'm not going to say, hey, just because this one white dude was racist against me, that means all white dudes right now are all racist against me. Not at all. Now, will I ever experience racism in the future? Oh, I bet I will. I bet I will, because ignorance is very common. Stupidity is very common. And uh, that's where we're at right now. Now, where I have experienced prejudice, and when I say prejudice, we're talking about people who prejudge me based on my beliefs and prejudge me in a very negative way, paint me in a very negative light just because I voted for Trump. If I wear a mega hat, you know, that red Make America Great hat, automatically, I'm stereotyped as a racist, as though I hate blacks, as though I hate Chinese, as though I hate anyone. And when they listen to my podcast, because my last name is Young, they, and my I don't sound like a Chinese, they automatically think, think I'm a white dude who actually is, you know, preaching the regular Trump mantra, the make, make America great mantra, which they, somehow they've associated with white supremacy, which is totally false. I cannot tell you how many emails that I've gotten basically say, you're just another white dude. <laughs> and they don't believe me when I say I'm 100% Chinese. 100%. I just have to happen to be fourth or fifth generation, depending on which side of the family tree you want to count, right? My mother's side or my father's side. But, you know, I don't even eat much Chinese food. I don't speak the language. I am American, right? I am completely American. I was born and raised in Oahu. And uh, I've lived a short time in California. And uh, I love America. I believe in, its, in all of its values. And I can't associate myself with 
anything in China. And in fact, people in China call me an ABC, American-born Chinese. And it's kind of a racial term. It's, it kind of puts me down. They said, I'm not a real Chinese. So even my own blood type over there in China, um, they don't, they actually say I'm not a Chinese, even though I'm blood, you know, I look like a Chinese, but I sound like an American. And that's fine with me if they want to hate me for that. And they do hate me for that, by the way. And, uh, but that's fine. That's really, really fine. So anyway, Black Lives Matter. So when I, when I take a look at the black community, right, I take a look at, and I don't want to stereotype everyone here, but unfortunately, in certain areas of the black community more than others, there is a problem with gang violence. There definitely is. And there's a problem with a lot of single mothers out there and a lot of young black men, young, young black women who are being raised without you know, a really good household with a guy, without a father and a mother. Sometimes they have to be raised by their grandmother. And a lot of times their father is in jail. Uh, it's, it's really, really unfortunate. Now, I can tell you this, like, if you don't have a good, you know, family nucleus, uh, you know, things can go downhill really, really quick. You can look, you know, if you don't, if you don't have the right male and female role model in your life, things can go south really quick. It doesn't matter on your, on your race. I mean, even if you are born to a white family and your father is a drug dealer and he's never there and then he gets incarcerated and you have to be, you know, raised by your mother who's not there all the time and then you have to be raised by your grandmother because you don't have that father and mother there, you end up, you know, growing up with trust problems out there. You know, you have this lingering feeling of abandonment, uh, most likely, and that just happens. So a lot of people who are within the black community or just, why don't I even say this, within a community where, you know, it, it is an epidemic problem where the, the family nucleus or the nuclear family, why don't we call it that, right, is basically disintegrating. And you have kids who then look to, um, you know, I guess, fathership in gangs. They find their fathership and mentorship in gangs. And that's where I see a lot of problems with the black poverty community. Now, I've seen that over in Long Beach. I've seen that over in Chicago. I've seen that over in Texas, uh, you know, Long Beach, California, by the way. I, I lived there for a while. And um, it's just sad. Now, when Black Lives Matter came around, I thought, okay, fine. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, agree uh, with this whole protesting and you know, rioting and everything. But maybe something good may come out of Black Lives Matter. Maybe there was... You know, they were, they were different than Antifa. But the truth is, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, their agendas basically run parallel. Now, my question is, is that a lot of celebrities, a lot of stores, Nike and all these big stores, like even airlines and Coca-Cola and Disney and you name it, every, almost every single corporation gave Black Lives Matter millions and millions of dollars, millions now, Black Lives Matter, by the way, is not a nonprofit organization. Their subchapters are nonprofits, right? But their main chapter is not. Now, why is their main chapter not a nonprofit organization? Well, the truth is they do it that way so they don't have to disclose where all their money is going. And on top of that, when you become a nonprofit organization, uh, depending on your nonprofit status, you can't be political. And what I'm about to read you is taken directly from their website, and you'll see that this, that this organization doesn't care about black lives because they list on their website their seven demands, all right? Now, if you ever went to the Black Lives Matter organization, um, um, blacklivesmatter.org or something like that, right, and you look on their website, 
you won't find anywhere where, you know, a community or anyone can apply for a grant to help them out. Um, I think there's no programs that would help out the troubled youth, get them out of gangs and into entrepreneurship programs. There's no um, youth programs you to help out young mothers who are pregnant and their, and their um, husbands or their boyfriends have left them. There's none of that. There's, uh, there's, no, there's no community support. Um, put forth by Black Lives Matter. With all this money that they raised for black lives, they have not spent a lot of money on black lives. Now, where has all that money gone to? That's a really good question. We really don't know. We do know that the founders of Black Lives Matter has, you know, they've bought multi-million dollar homes. Now, the question is that, have they profited directly from Black Lives Matter? Now, they say they haven't, but where else are they profiting from? Now, they're profiting from Black Lives Matter indirectly because they're getting speech deals and book deals and all these other production deals that they charge for. But that in, a, in its own way, you know, you know, charging for appearance fees is a way to profit off your association through Black Lives Matter, right? I would like to see them, uh, Black Lives Matter, to be very proactive within the black community, you know, again, because, again, the black community does have a problem with gangs, you know, with crime. You know, right now, unfortunately, you know, black lives, I think black, I think black men, um, they only consist of 13% of the population or something like that, yet they, yet they commit 50% of all murders. So, and who are they murdering? Other black men from gangs. Gang violence is such a big, I mean, deal within the the poverty level black community, the ghettos, right? It's so big. It's so big of a deal. It's it's the cops are really not the problem, right? Who who does who does a black community call when there's a drive by shooting? It's the cops, right? If anything, you need more cops. So anyway, what are their seven demands? So number one is to convict and ban Trump from future political office. That's their number one demand on this list here. There's seven of them, all right? What's number two? Expel Republican members of Congress who attempt to overturn the election and, in, and incited a white supremacist attack. So again, that's their number two demand. <laughs> what does this have to do with black lives? Now, secondly where they said they incited a white supremacist attack, there's no white supremacist. What white supremacist attack? That what happened on January 6th had nothing to do with white supremacy. Absolutely nothing. They can't prove that. Just because people go there and they carry Confederate flags does not mean they belong to the KKK or they are actually, you know, you know, rallying for white supremacy. That does not mean that whatsoever. Those people who went there were basically triggered, uh, you know, triggered individuals at their own healthiest. And this is a mob mentality going out of control, you know, and they are fearing that they're going to lose their, I guess, America. And that was, you know, their last stand. That's what they believed. And you know what? They're kind of right. Because, because Donald Trump is out of office, we are losing America. All right. We're definitely losing America. We are not the America we were, uh, I guess, in 2020. Right. We were not the America we were last year. 
You know, we're this America where we have no idea what a man or woman is, and in and in um, children's sports, we still don't have no idea what a man or woman is, or a boy or girl is. Right? We are living in an in an America where you know, we're, like uh, doctors are saying, it's okay to shoot up your young girl full of steroids, but it's not okay to shoot up your young boy with steroids if he wants to become a better football player. But if your daughter wants to transition to a male, yeah, we can do that. That's the world we're living in. Right? You know, that's the world that we're living in right now. We're living in a world where, you know, you know, <laughs> Biden is wearing a mask on a Zoom call with world leaders on a, on a climate change summit. And when, he, when he's asking, why is he wearing a mask? He's saying, well, it's because, you know, to set an example. Who is he trying to set an example for? He looks stupid. All the world leaders are not wearing a mask. He's there basically by himself. He has two other people that are 10 feet away from him. And they're all fully inoculated. What is he trying to say? What is he trying to do? Th- that's the world we're living in. You know, virtue signaling, you know, not knowing what a boy or girl is, and an open border where we have illegal immigrant- immigrants coming in who are not vaccinated, bringing COVID into America when we tend to have it under control. All right? So, what is number three of Black Lives Matter demands, okay? Number three is launch a full investigation into the ties between white supremacy and the Capitol Police, law enforcement, and the military. Really? So we're thinking that the Capitol Police, law enforcement, and the military actually have white supremacy ties. Now, I can tell you that's totally false. You know, all of these police departments are all independent from each other. The Honolulu Police Department is independent from the Maui Police Department. You know, every police department out there is not connected to the, you know, by the bone. It's really not. They all, you know, basically operate independently. So if someone is over there and they're a New York City cop, they can't come over here to the um, Honolulu uh, Police Department here and, and basically automatically get a job. In fact, sometimes they have to, I guess, go to school again. They have to go to the police academy again in order to serve here in Hawaii. You know, it's not just one police force. We don't have an official federal police force in every single county. Now, we do have a federal police force in every single state, depending on where you are. But even then, they don't have much power. They don't have as much power as the county police, the city and county police. So, you know, they're not all connected by the hit. So, if they all can't, if they all have different, you know, rules and regulations and tests, how, how can we believe that they're all, they have ties of white supremacy between all of them? That's stupid. That's just a waste of time. What is, you know, demand number three is basically just a narrative. Okay, so what is their seventh demand to help black people? Permanently, permanently ban Trump from all digital media platforms. That's going to help blacks. Really? This sounds like a political agenda, doesn't it? Okay, number five. Okay, this this one doesn't have to do with Trump. Okay, that's great. Oh, number five is defund the police. <laughs> How does that help low-income black communities? All right? If you take out the police out of these low-income black communities, communities, who is running those low-income black communities? Who's going to investigate the rape, investigate the, the, the gang violence, investigate when kids get killed by drive-bys? Who's going to run that community? You think Black Lives Matter is going to do that? No. The gangs are. The gangs. 
So you're going to see a very big jump in crime, a jump in gangs. And you know what? It's going to be in the black community. Is Black Lives Matter really, you know, did they really think about this? Or are they just, you know, are, are they just operating from a college mind, you know, a college mind that just loves to bounce around theories around the classrooms and, you know, say, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Instead of actually thinking about it. They're not thinking. You're really not thinking. But this is a dumb thing, right? You talk to a college kid and they love the idea of defunding the police. They look at the police and they think, oh, they're all murderers. Really? So you tell me, you see a black gang member in your neighborhood or you see a cop in your neighborhood, which one do you fear? Your friend is getting raped or getting stabbed. Are you going to call 911 or are you going to call Black Lives Matter? Black Lives Matter, by the way, they have a phone number. They have a phone number. Why don't you call them? You want to call uh, you when, you're, when your um, you know, estranged lover shows up on your doorstep with a knife or a gun, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? You know, that, uh, that one guy, I forgot what his name was, but he was over in, uh, I think this was over in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Was it over in Kenosha? I think it was in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I forgot his name, all right? But there was a woman there, and I, and I remember this. She had gotten raped by her ex-boyfriend, right? And uh, her ex-boyfriend showed up. He, she had a restraining order against him because she had gotten sexually assaulted. Now, the details, if you ever look at what he did to her, it's horrible. He went into her house, and then he did some really bad things to her, sexually assaulted her. It wasn't rape, per se, but it might have well been, right? And then he also tried to steal the children. Now, the cop showed up. Now, this guy showed up. He got a, she got a restraining order from him, right? The cop showed up uh, later on, I think about maybe about two weeks later, and he had the kids who he could not see in a van, which he didn't own, all right? And she called him. She called the cops because this guy was on his way to actually kidnap the children. So the cops show up. They tell him, hey, you know, settle down, settle down. This guy ends up wrestling with the cops. And then the cops, you know, try to settle him down. He walks over to the driver's side, reaches for a knife, and they shoot him in the back. And now he's paralyzed. Now, this guy is celebrated out there and they had you know protests and protests after this guy I forgot his name right but they had protests and protests after this and they're and they're basically you know celebrating this dude who's about to kidnap his children and who actually sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend and they're turning him into some type of hero when the cop should be the hero they stopped this guy from kidnapping his kids now this is the the ludicrousy that black lives matter you know, tells people, you know, to actually, you know, turn these like these these black criminals. They're criminals. They're bad dudes. You know, bad characters, and they and they reverse the script on them. They turn them to heroic figures, and then they turn the then they turn the tables on the police and they say, "Well, this is all this is all of the, all of the police fault." If the police would have just let him go and steal the children, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> really. If that was your children, would you want the cops to do what they did or you want, would let them say, hey, you know what, take my children. Take my children. It's fine as long as you don't shoot the guy who's trying to kidnap my children. And if he probably takes them on the, 
you know, with his car, it'll, it'll probably end up being a high-speed chase, which won't end very well. Okay, let's move on to this. Hold on a second here. My screen just kind of popped off on me. I'm going to turn the screen back on. They kind of did the energy-saving thing. All right, so here we go. So number six, Black Lives Matter demand. Don't let the coup be used as an excuse to crack down on our movement. Okay, so what does that mean? So in response to the coup, politicians have already introduced the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. We've seen this before. I'm reading, I'm reading this, by the way. These laws are used to target black and brown communities for heightened surveillance. Republicans are already busy trying to create an equivalence between the mob on January 6th and our Freedom Summer. We don't need new domestic terror laws, facial recognition, or any other new police power of, of, for the state. Our government should protect the righteous protests, righteous protests, and stay focused on the real issue, rooting out white supremacy. Really? White supremacy? There are, are enough laws, resources, and intelligence, but they were not used to stop the coup. Our elected officials must uncover why. Now, what was happening over there on January 6th? Was that a coup? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I really think that's just mob mentality gone wrong. All right. And it's kind of when, you know, it's kind of when these Black Lives Matter protests, when they go wrong and they start ransacking stores, you know, that momentum builds. And when you have mob mentality of any sort, it's not good. And it's always unhealthy for the most part. You know, people with mob mentality, once something goes wrong, it snowballs. And that's how you get like, you know, after, you know, that's why people riot after you know, a sports team will win, you know, the Super Bowl. They'll start rioting. Uh, you know, kids will start pulling down, the college kids will put on, pull down the, the, the field goal post, right? And then take that field goal post and march it into town. And sometimes they'll riot and break things. I remember when the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, won the Super Bowl. There were riots over there. So, you know, people do stupid things when the mob starts to move in a direction and they start saying, hey, this looks okay. Why don't we all try to do it? And it's not good. Is it domestic terrorism? No, it's a mob mentality. Now, this is the problem with the Black Lives Matter things is that the Black Lives Matter movement, when it, when it, when it uh, intersects with Antifa, their narratives are basically the same thing. Like if I were to read out these uh, list of demands here, you know, they would basically be verbatim, Right. Actually, there's there's really no difference between what I just read and the Antifa demands. This could be basically Antifa seven demands, right? Uh, but here's the thing: Antifa is a lot more violent than Black Lives Matter, way more violent. And when uh, Antifa starts moving in that direction, well, a lot of people who showed up to just you know protests for George Floyd or anything, they end up saying, hey, why don't we go to Target? Why don't we end up going to, you know, Nike and start or, or Apple? And hey, everyone's doing it. We got this iPhone. We got these new Nikes. We got these new um, LCD, TV, uh, LCD TV, right? You know, uh, or LED TV right now. So, uh, you know, it's just the mom mentality gets moving in the wrong direction. And it's not good. Not good at all. Now, do I believe that you know, there should be less, less actually heightened surveillance. I actually do. So part of number six, I kind of agree with. I kind of agree with because if you give the government too much control, too much surveillance, they can just say, hey, you know what? You're a terrorist. I'm a terrorist. We're just going to surveil you for no reason. All right. It's kind of like the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act was done for good reasons, but then it's been abused over and over and over again. All right. 
So I kind of agree with number six, but overall it's a piece of crap. Number seven, their last demand, pass the Breathe Act. So what is the Breathe Act? So here's what they say. The police were born out of slave patrols. We cannot reform an institution built upon white supremacy. We need a new radical approach to public safety and community investment. President Biden has already drawn on the Breathe Act in his executive actions calling for racial equity in federal programs, investing in environmental justice at historic levels, and engaging with system-impacted communities. The Breathe Act paints a vision of a world where Black lives matter through investments in housing, education, health, and environmental justice. So they threw in climate change in here, okay? Um, They threw in... uh, Now, when you say racial equity, unfortunately, that's not the same as equality. Now, when we talk about equality, I'm all for equal opportunity. But when you throw in equity... That's a little different. So equity is, say, for example, racial equality. Say, for example, we're all applying to become a pilot at Delta, right? And uh, I'm Chinese, you're white, you know, another got Japanese here. There's a Pakistani and a black person over there. And we all have the equal opportunity to try to get the job. I'm not going to have a less of, a, of an opportunity because I'm Asian, I'm Chinese. The black person doesn't have less of an opportunity. No one has less of an opportunity. We don't get any, you know, you know, basically no, no down marks, right? We all have equal opportunity. But what does equity mean? Equity means basically, well, we've already hired enough white people. So now we already hired enough Chinese people. We have to hire out another black person, right? So we are just going to hire out the black person, even though he's not the best, he already has an advantage off of you because we didn't hire enough. We need more equity. We need equal equity. And that's what it means. So again, you know, when it comes to anything, how many wedding planners are out there? Well, we have about 10, we have a 10, you know, Asian wedding planners. Well, we need more white wedding planners. We have to have more white wedding planners. Oh, we got enough white wedding planners, so you can't apply. We have to have more black wedding planners out there. I mean, that's what racial equity means. That's not good because eventually when you have racial equity, which is more like, again, affirmative action, you do start discriminating other people who are qualified, you know, based upon race. It's not equal opportunity, all right? I'm all for equal opportunity, and you should be too. It is not, racial equity is not racial opportunity, all right? Or or what we should call equal opportunity. Now, investing in environmental justice, you know, it's, it's amazing. These, um, <laughs> these liberals love to put words together that basically sound like an oxymoron. You know, oxymoron are like two words that kind of should not be together. And when you talk about environmental justice, you know, in a way, they say, what does that mean? Like you're going to give the environment justice? Are you going to sue for, are you going to sue someone? Are you going to sue God? Are you going to sue corporations if they pollute too much? I mean, what does environmental justice mean? It's almost like, a, again, it's an oxymoron. So what are you going to do? How, you, how do you invest in environmental justice? Are you going to say, we're going to invest into black communities and give them environmental justice? So we're going to go to a black community that's very impoverished, right? And we're going to say, okay, we're not going to, we're going to give you solar panels and, and, uh, solar panels and and windmills in this place, right? (laughs) That's environmental justice. 
why don't we just say we're going to actually help build this community and get this ghetto, put like parks in there, put more cops in there, put these nice like, you know, um, entrepreneurship programs in there where the kids can say after school, I'm going to learn how to become a car mechanic instead of learn how to deal drugs that I can get behind. But this environmental justice thing, what does that do to help the black community? Nothing. All right, so on top of that, the last part here, engaging with system-impacted communities. Again, another you know hyphenated word, which I have no idea what that means. What are system-impacted communities? You know, what are they talking about? What, what's a system-impacted community? It's system-impacted communities. I have no idea what that that means. You have to go to college, be part of some type of, you know, activist, you know, course with some like brainiac, absent-minded professor to find out what that is. And then when they tell you, you, you still have no idea what it is because they're, these professors are so smart. They talked themselves into a circle, circled back on their own logic, and they're living in this bubble. And all they can think of is all of these oxymoronic words that just are just moronic. They're just moronic. This word means nothing. It actually means nothing. There's no, you can't derive any type of information out from this. A system impacted community. All communities have a system. They're all impacted somehow. What are they impacted by? It's so, it's so gray, right? I can say anything. So I just don't understand. Now it says here, again, the Breathe Act, paints a vision of a world where black lives matter through investments in housing. Okay, so what do they mean by investments? It means just spending money, right? When the government says investment, that just means spending money. Now, again, all of this is just BS. All of this, all of this is just BS. And again, I listed seven here. This is directly from their website. Tell me, does it help a young black youth living in the ghetto where there's gang violence and drugs all around, father's not there, mother's maybe not there, how does this help him? How does it help him? Nothing. It doesn't do anything. Right? And this is Black Lives Matter. This this right here is the, the organization that we're looking forward to, to say, hey, you know, you're actually supplying us direction. Right? You're supplying, you know, you're supplying an answer to all of the quote-unquote white supremacy out there, which there is none. You know, there, of course, there will be people who will be white supremacists out there. There's always going to be idiots out there because there's never an unlimited, there's never not an idiot out there. Idiots do stupid things, right? But there, is there an epidemic of white supremacy out there? I have a lot of black friends out there, smart black friends incredibly beautiful black friends. You know, I got some, you know, you know uh, I know some black women who are just like gorgeous out there. You know, when I was over there in California trying to make it as a screenwriter, you know, I had, guess who helped me out the first time? It's a black celebrity. A black celebrity who had a black sister who helped me out get my foot in the door. And then my other person who gave, other, another guy gave me an opportunity and he was a black guy too. So in fact, I think, Two of the opportunities that I had, the major opportunities, came from black celebrities. And they've never cried about white supremacy or, or anything like that. Never, ever, ever, ever. And in fact, if you ever want to talk about 
white privilege, I can tell you that these black celebrities were extremely wealthy at that, at that time. And, uh, you know, it was the white people who were outside of the velvet rope. You know, there's a lot of privilege out there. You know, there's no black, white, Asian, or any type of privilege. There's a certain type of, but there is privilege out there. Part of it has to do with wealth. And part of it, it has to do with your family. Now, myself, I've been raised with a really good mother and father, right? You still get into arguments here and there, right? Like any parents and all that, and parents and their kids. But that's my privilege. And that, and I am, you know, I am who I am, you know, stable thinking and very successful because directly of them. Now, I have a lot of, you know, friends of mine who have not been, I think the majority of my friends have not been raised, you know, they, you know, with a stable, you know, family nucleus, you know, and unfortunately, that gives birth to a lot of problems. There's a lot of trust issues. There's a lot of paranoias. There's a lot of like, you know, it carries on into their own personal problems, their own self-doubts and everything like that. You know, there's certain people out there who I know, you know, who were, there's, there's one, there's one person who I know who's a victim of rape. So her own parents gave her up and then she was raised by her aunt. And then she has, feelings of abandonment and she's had those since she was a kid but you know she still pushed through that and now she's very very successful but it's still always it's always in the back of their mind always in the back of their mind you had Barack Obama his father he didn't know his father so he had to write this entire book dreams of my father and then his mother was kind of AWOL too her his mother was a drug dealer not drug dealer drug user right you know, she was like a butterfly, a social butterfly, not there. He was raised by his white grandparents, by the way, and went to a very, very wealthy school here in Hawaii called Punahou. So he was, you know, talk about privileged. You know, his grandmother was one of the first vice presidents, a real vice president of a bank, not one of those vice presidents where they, you know, you join the bank, and you know, like two weeks later, you're a vice president. She was actually a senior vice president of a bank here in Hawaii. Very, very wealthy. She lived in a very wealthy area. Punahou is like a college. If you ever go, if you ever come to Hawaii, you look at the Punahou campus, it's like a freaking, it's like a freaking college campus. All right. So anyway, um, that's where Barack Obama went. You have to be rich enough and smart enough and know the right people to actually get in there. Now, this is it. So everyone's born with some type of privilege. And unfortunately, you know, you live in a, if people are born in the ghetto, right, and there's a lot of crime in there, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot more rough. There's going to be a lot more cops. There's going to, the relationship between the cops and the regular people there is going to be a lot more rough. And yes, there will be stereotypes. There will be, you know, butthead cops out there because they're, they're paranoid as well of getting shot because in these neighborhoods, they shoot back at the cops. So, you know, it's just this perfect storm of like distrust, mistrust, you know, miscommunication. And it snowballs. And what Black Lives Matter is doing is not helping it at all. If anything, there should be more, you know, there should be more programs out there. And they do have these programs out there, by the way. But now again, it's actually dissolving. They're called PAL. It's with the, you know, the police go out there in the community and, you know, they, they get to know the kids better. P-A-L. And they, they have it here in Hawaii. A lot of times they teach the kids how to box, teach the kids, you know, they take them on ride-alongs. They, they, and, and it helps them, you know, inspire them to get them off the street 
and have them, you know, embrace a life that is, you know, good and not bad. Simple as that, right? Black Lives Matter doesn't do any of that. All it does right now, what I'm seeing is they're basically bringing back segregation. And unfortunately, like I told you before, the power of words is just incredible. So now we have almost the entire nation, including our president, speaking segregation back into you know, existence. It's coming back into existence because they're speaking it. Stop talking about it. It was gone. It was on its way gone. And just because they wanted to get elected, just because they wanted Trump to get out of office, and here's my thing. You know, Trump, when he was in office, the economy was doing great. Jobs, great. COVID, if he would have been president, nothing Joe Biden did, nothing Joe Biden did right now, if Trump was in office, nothing would be the same. In fact, something would be, would probably be a lot more open, all right? But the vaccine distribution, all that stuff is not because of Joe Biden, all right? They're already vaccinating 1 million people every single day. And you know what? I think if President if President Trump were in office, he could probably even motivate some people who are skeptical about the vaccine to take it, all right? Not to say they will follow, follow everything they say, uh, following everything he says, but I think it will maybe affect it a little bit more. And our borders would be a lot more, you know, closed. We would, you know, we would have a much stronger economy than we have now. Gas prices would be a lot lower, I tell you that. But here's the thing. There would be nothing different, different about the vaccine. Vaccine distribution would probably be either the same or better. Nothing Joe Biden did <laughs> actually improved COVID. He's just riding the coattails of President Trump. All right, people, well, that's it for today. I've been speaking really a long time here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, and hopefully, if you like it, share it. Subscribe to my podcast at Barbecue 2 Movies. That's T-O Movies, not the number two. And you can find me on any podcast app out there. I'm pretty sure about it. All right, people, I am out of here.